Hello! You've joined the script mistress for scene four, writing horror. 10 tips to create a great horror script. I'm your host, Amber Bosworth, and I'm so excited to bring you episode four. If you are still listening after listening to that hour-long episode before this on the villain, thank you. I really hope you found it valuable. So now that you know how to write a better villain, let's put your villain in a really good horror film. Like, it's October, so let's enjoy that. But you don't always have to put it in a horror film, but this is what we're going to talk about today, so stick with me. Now, if you want to stay up to date on podcast events and challenges, get on my mailing list at www.thescriptmistress.com. I also have this whole episode on video. You can watch that at www.thescriptmistress.com forward slash scene four. And that's the number four, not the spelled out four. And this will be for your enjoyment, along with a free download that I'll discuss at the end of this episode. And just a reminder, I read a lot of blogs, articles, books, and I collect it all for you here. Just kind of comes out verbal vomit, put it, well, not really verbal. I do write it all down for you, as you probably kind of see me if you're watching the video. I do write it all down for you. So this podcast is about 10 great tips that I got from a few different articles and books and just I'm hearing other people that like to write horror. So I just wanted to really kind of put it down. One main um, article I pulled from was on ScreenCraft, and I've linked the article and um, and the video of the interview in the show notes on the podcast webpage, which is that www.thescriptmistress.com forward slash scene four. You can collect that all there. If you're watching the video right now, then you can just scroll down and it's past all those notes if you'd prefer to read this as well, if you're more of a visual learner than a listening learner. And I just want to say, as you probably guessed, if you are just tuning in to me, that this is not edited. (laughs) The, The audio, the video, not edited. I just get on here and I spill on the weekly topic. I have notes. I have a little bit of a script. I'm a screenwriter like you, a playwright as well. So I love scripts. So like most of you guys, I'd rather be writing, but this is so much fun. (laughs) However, collecting this from the plethora of information gives me great motivation to write. Like when I think about a theme or a a podcast um, that I'd like to write for you and bring to you guys, like just some things that I find that people may be having problems with. I learn a lot and it inspires me to write and try these things myself. So I think like teaching, (laughs) I love teaching and I love bringing this for you here. So it's about what works for you as a writer to keep the keys clacking or the pen scratching. October is my favorite month and I want to focus on one of my favorite genres, horror. Now, it's it's my favorite to watch. I do like to watch horror as long as I have somebody to grab onto, but it's not. it was not my favorite to write. Um, I'll mention it a little bit later, but it wasn't until I was in a competition where I was forced to write a horror that I really lo- um, had to delve in and I learned these tips as well. And I really had to get my mindset into there. So that was really great. So if, if you like to write horror, this will help you. If 
at one point you have to write a horror film um, for a competition or if you're going to collaborate with somebody, then this is just, I hope, (laughs) a great tool for you. Let me slow down. I know I talk a little bit fast, so I'm sorry. Now, when it comes to horror and what it conjures in the audience, two things come to mind. Dread, the fear of the unknown, of death, of being hurt, more. Adrenaline, the biological result of being on edge, feeling a dopamine rush and the emotional release afterwards. I don't know. For some reason, that also makes me think of like getting a tattoo. I have quite a few tattoos. We all love a good dopamine rush. Um, Some of us get it watching horror movies, haunted houses, tattoos, jumping out of airplanes. But a lot of it is not so much the pain or the scare immediately. It's that feeling right after (sighs) that that release that you're no more pain. You're free of danger. Uh, you, You jumped. You did it. That's the same thing that you have in a horror film, and that's the kind of response and emotional um, connection you want to create in your own script. So that's what I'm hoping that I can help you with on this podcast. Now, ever wonder why some people are addicted to the roller coasters or death-defying sports? It isn't because it's scary. I mean, it is, but it's also the feeling of facing a primal sense of fear and overcoming it and the resultant rush afterwards. It's kind of like what I already said. I know I wrote that down. <laughs> Sometimes I get ahead of myself if you can kind of tell. So sorry about that. Now, this was from an interview with C. Robert Cargill. C. Robert Cargill is a screenwriter, screenwriter, along with writing The Black Phone, Sinister, Sinister 2, and Marvel's Doctor Strange. He's appeared on horror panels for ScreenCraft at the Austin Film Festival. He co-hosts the Write Along with David and Cargill podcast, and he's very open to sharing the tricks of his trade on his Twitter. So check him out. Yeah, that podcast is really good if you want to kind of get some more tips and he'll delve more into that. Again, that's right along with David and Cargill podcast. And if you're watching the video, scroll down. It's down uh, down there. And then if you go to the webpage, then I have it kind of listed out as well in the um, show notes. So if you're really interested to check that out, get more fun tips on writing horror, a great resource free resource for you. Free is always good, right? Cargill recently posted a crash course on how to write a horror movie. And again, I've linked the article and video down below or on the webpage uh, forward slash scene four. Now, before we dive in, a fair disclaimer from Cargill himself. As with all writing advice, your mileage will vary. So it's about what you put in is what you'll get out of, of these tips and writing horror itself. So on to these 10 tips. He had eight tips. I added a couple extra, added a little bit more in there. So um, beefed them up a little bit. It was a really short article. So I really wanted to add a little bit more as well for you. Um, so number one, if you want to scare, make us care. Oh God, the characters are the most important part, <laughs> especially we'd already talked about the villain. So now we're talking about horror. Just this takes it a step further. If we care about them, we'll get scared for them. Write interesting and likable characters, preferably both. 
Another way of looking at this comes straight from Cargill. Give us unlikable characters and a cool monster, and the audience will root for the killer instead. And it won't be scary, which is often why some of those films lean into realistic gore to affect the audience. If you want to scare, make us care. The key to writing horror is empathy. It's a big one. Empathy. We have to empathy. Oh, wow. I can't say that one. Empathy. The more we care about and like our protagonists, the more scared we will be for both them and ourselves. The more we dislike a character, the more cathartic the horror will feel as if it is a well-deserved karmic punishment. I've recently started um, watching the new Game of Thrones, um, The House of Dragons. I do like, I like the uh, the prequel, I do. But this kind of like the karmic punishment, I just love watching Game of Thrones because they leave you satisfied. Like they they take you through this, I know it's not horror, I'm sorry, going on a tangent here, but it's like they take you on this journey with these characters and it's so like emotionally draining. But when the bad guy who you hate so much gets such a satisfying ending, oh, it's just like icing on the cake. It's amazing. So if you can kind of translate that into writing your horror film, I think that'll go a long way as well. Now, as the podcast continues, I'll discuss how to create engaging and interesting characters. And I already went over that in The Villain um, in the last podcast, which ties nicely into this one. <laughs> if you haven't listened to that one, check it out when you're done here, because <laughs> that'll really help. But horror isn't all about the bad guy. The depth of our fear is directly related to how we can empathize. Oh, I said it. <laughs> empathize with the intended victims. Now, I don't say protagonist because the bad guy usually gets quite the body count throughout the movie. So even all your little characters, the babysitter, the friend, the boyfriend who we meet in just the first scene, all those characters, you still, don't forget about those. Don't forget about the collateral damage, (laughs) as I like to say. Don't forget about those guys because we still kind of want to care. We want to um, start feeling for these, for these, for the victims. So you really want to don't forget those. Don't forget the collateral damage. <laughs> All right, or the cannon fodder, as they said when I was in the military. Ooh, a cannon fodder. All right, number two. Write what scares you. <laughs> I don't know why we. I have to, or Cargill even had to mention this, but you would be surprised that people write stories or write horror about what they think scares other people, which can work sometimes. But if you're just starting out or if you're writing something really fast, start with what scares you. If clowns freak you out, write clowns. If losing your child scares you, write about that. What scares you scares others. Use that. Now, this shouldn't come as a surprise that if you're writing a horror film, you should write what scares the hell out of you, whether it's spiders, cults, dolls, or cosmic terrors. If something genuinely scares you, your fear will bleed onto the page. Your authentic fear feels genuine to an audience. Now, many writers fall into the trap of writing a trending horror script. 
They go for what's currently scaring people. Just like when you write any other genre, write what has a personal stake in your experience. If there's nothing for you to pull from, then it will fall flat on the page. Start here and see where it takes you. Start by writing that first. It's kind of like being an actor. If if I'm in a play and I don't understand what the character is going through, I don't have anything to pull from, but I'm able to kind of look in my own experiences and make parallels. And you're, you can be able to do that as well. So pull from something that really scares you that will make it very gen- genuine and it will show on the page. Trust me. <laughs> Number three, make sure something scary happens every 10 pages or so. So just a good, the writing tip. Any longer and the audience forgets they're in a horror film. Even scare beat beats need to feel genuine. A cat jump scare is startling and only effective upon first viewing. So you can only maybe use that once. So your horror needs to be authentic and memorable and not simply jump scares. One way to achieve this is by, you can maybe try imprisoning your characters, contain the horror. Another way to conjure a sense of claustrophobia, dread, and suspense is to contain your screenplay to one location. Yes, that's right intentionally imprison your hero and others. But why would you intentionally limit yourself? Simple. It works. By locking your character into a specific place, you are forcing them to master the elements around them to fight back against your horrifying threat. You are also implying there is no escape. You are implying they will either die or survive. You're implying your hero and the horror itself will meet face to face. Perfect. This is the primal mouse stuck in a snake's cage effect you want. Plus, there are many other benefits to this strategy as well. Locking your hero in one location jacks up the tension while forcing your character to act. It makes it feel like the walls are closing in. You can get over the plot hole of why didn't they just run away? Like how many times have you watched a movie? Why didn't you freaking just run away? Get in the running car. (laughs) So it'll definitely get over that plot hole if you contain them, imprison them, put them in just one one place. You can twist locations into surprises. An example, maybe that app company is really a military cover for something more sinister. (laughs) It grounds the script in a relatable location and a place the audience can see, smell, and touch. Containing your location also forces you to unleash your creativity. This is the true test of a writer, doing more with less. And if you can do it, your screenplay will truly stand out. Now, here's a kind of an insider tip, like something to think about in the future if you're writing a a major um, horror film, that most horror screenplays from new writers are short, like 100 pages or so, maybe a little less, and they have lower budgets. Think budgets from 1 million to 10 million max. Now, containing the location already positions you as a producer-friendly writer that can still write with constraints in mind and still make it work. You're a dream come true. Now, an important note, 
it's no industry secret, horror screenplays can be sold just by the high concept idea alone. Your film idea doesn't necessarily need blockbuster bankable stars. It's about the idea. So containing... Containing your screenplay into one location makes it cheaper to produce, and the concept is positioned to shine. Now, here are some examples of like horror locations and some successful uh, places that they were there, like an underground restaurant for the rich, a warehouse, a military facility no one knew was there, a zoo at night, a locked theater, cinema. An app, social media company, campus, an isolated private school, the decrepit mansion of a dead billionaire, a sewer plant, an isolated climate change monitoring station, a high-tech apartment block with numerous floors. Mm, So those are some. All right. Number four. Tip number four. Be funny if and when you can. Not so much that it is a comedy, but used as a tension release. The audience will reset and be ready to be scared again. Character hurt humor often works best here. Comedy doesn't necessarily mean slapstick. Don't, not slapstick, unless it's done really well, like in Evil Dead 2 or Army of Darkness. But horror and comedy are close cousins. Both are all about setup and payoff. It's simply the payoff that's different. Comedy. <laughs> Horror. <laughs> this is where I was able to shine more. I am a comedy drama writer, and being tasked with writing a short horror script, I was freaking out. I love to watch horror, but not so much with the writing of it. When I was able to blend my humor into the story, into my... um horror script, I wrote an amazing script that got me into the next level of the competition. It helped, it helped, (laughs) it helped to heighten the horror moments in just the five page screenplay. So maybe a nice balance, depending on how scary your script is, is maybe how the level of humor that you want to bring in just those quick moments. And it doesn't have to be something, and it can be like a a joke that goes through the whole thing that you just refer back to so the the audience can laugh with you as you're waiting to be murdered. <laughs> Tip number five, your main character should evolve. If the characters aren't changed by their exposure to scary shit, that should be the whole point of the character. We are told that characters are meant to arc or change. And horror films introduce a deadly or supernatural element to the characters, so their very survival depends on them changing their status quo. But what happens when a character doesn't change to the horrific force? Quite the misdirection in character. Another another bit of misdirection advice from Cargill is the key to narrative surprise is misdirection. Not lying or misleading, Use your knowledge of how stories unfold against the audience. Make them think they are watching something familiar, then bring in the change up. The audience will try to be ahead of you. Use that against them. Explore your character's worst nightmares and make them do terrible things. This is the horror, really. The central concept of nearly all horror films are characters learning to face the horrors in their lives. 
this horror is usually personified by an external threat, a ghost, monster, alien, house, killer, and represents what the hero must overcome during the course of the story. The scares are just part and parcel of that journey, but you mustn't forget the point of it all. Torture your hero relentlessly. Really give it to your characters physically, mentally, emotionally, and psychologically. Don't let up. The more dreadful you can make their lives, the further you are pushing them to do something about it. You're forcing that change. And this is the foundation of every great story. Change. If you can force your hero to do terrible things to survive, like lie, cheat, backstab, poison, kill, maim, dismember, the worse, the better. The worse, the more memorable. This is forcing your character to change, adapt, and that equals interesting storytelling. The best horror films force characters to change by digging deep into their personal well of fear and then never letting them breathe. Never letting them breathe. Have your character confront their ultimate fear at the end. Every horror film is about characters facing their fears. Yes, now there are deviations to this, and some films follow a more experimental structure, but these characters still face their darkest and most debilitating fears. In the end, your story will not be satisfying if your hero does not face the horror you've been subjecting him or her to. You can hide the threat 99% by all means, which I'll talk about later. But in the end, your hero and maybe other characters as well must find a way to innovate, fight back, and either overcome or succumb. So which one is it? For many films, building on this idea can produce some very unique and satisfying results. Can your character overcome the monster, threat, killer, and yet still succumb to the long-term effects? Can the threat win and not win? Can the hero twist the monster, threat, killer's motives, and turn the hero into the horror itself? Oh, so many interesting questions. Now, for your first draft, try to pick one. But just remember that audiences are generally motivated by seeing a character overcome incredible odds and defeat the overwhelming threat. I say most... (laughs) I say most, not all, like generally, but not all the time. There are some people out there that like the uh, the unsatisfying ending, <laughs> or I guess it's satisfying to them. Now, so, m- most audiences like to imagine themselves as the hero, and surviving makes them believe they can do it too. If your hero simply dies at the end, this will leave the audience with one message. Fear cannot be overcome. Now, while this may be a powerful statement or theme, for that matter, you you can't use this as a crutch. Instead, your hero must test, force, struggle, hunt, rummage, fight, return, outwit, outthink, realize, outmove, kill, escape, all the verbs. There is nothing more satisfying in a story than a character that starts out naive and underprepared, but then rises to the occasion to defeat the obstacle in front of them. This is the meat of a truly great horror script. Okay, tip number six. 
Know your audience's expectations. Now, if it's science fiction, the audience will expect everything to make logical sense. If the horror is magical in origin, they will give you much more leeway. Audiences are more picky when it comes to sci-fi movies like Alien, The Fly, or Cloverfield because their horrors are based in science fiction. The science element makes us crave a logical, sometimes man-made explanation for the creatures haunting us. So that is something to keep in mind when you're writing um, whatever genre, sub-horror, science fiction horror, um, or magical horror, supernatural horror, uh, to keep that in. Yet magical horrors have unfathomable powers. Magic could mean many terror elements, elements like ghosts, cosmic creatures, or the power of hell. Just look at how many things the powers of hell have possessed over the years. People, dolls, vehicles, videotapes, beds, and Ash's hand. The world of magic is unexplainable and not based in science, meaning the writer can get away with a more open-ended or no explanation. And sometimes you get both worlds, like when the powers of hell take over a spaceship, like in Event Horizon. If you guys are on my Facebook page, you probably saw my post where Event Horizon is like the scariest, I think, in my personal opinion, is the scariest horror movie I have ever seen. I don't know why. It just freaked me out. Expose terrible secrets. Internalize the horror. For every great horror film, there's an equally horrifying secret that the main character is forced to confront. It can be something from their past, a mistake, a family sin, or simply an intrinsic part of themselves that has yet to be realized. For the audience, the internal horror is more powerful and palpable than the external horror. What a character is forced to confront internally will be more powerful for your audience than the actual monster killer. Monster slash killer. In fact, the monster or killer is often a symbolic representation of the theme or sin of your main character. Just another layer there. The best way to show this is by having your supposed hero carry a deep, dark secret that will be exposed during the course of the story. Whether it's a past trauma or a horrifying mistake, remember not to make your characters totally good or totally bad. Make them gray, complicated, and sometimes inconsistent. Remember from the last episode, if you listened, it's the shades of gray that create the best characters. Horror films are almost always about a character facing their own personal nightmare, not just for physical survival, but to confront a reckoning that dwells deep inside of them. Now, here are some character examples, their secrets, and the true horror they face in the film. Chris Washington from Get Out, his secret, guilt over his mother's hit and run. The true horror he faces, the horror of race, racial objectification, inequality, and subjugation. Another one, uh, Grace Ladomas, Ready or Not, 
her mysterious foster home upbringing implied trauma, uh, the true horror she faces, the horror of in-laws, the shackles of marriage, and the emptiness of the rich. Uh, Character characters, Father Graham Hess and family and signs. Trauma over the death of wife and mother six months prior. Cause implied to be because of Father Hess. The true horror they face, a world without belief, the foundation the family has based their entire lives on. They once believed God had a plan, but that reality was shattered. They are lost and need to find a sense of belief again. So in all three of those, just great movies, and they interwove these different elements, just made the horror itself that much more engaging. Secondary to the actual bad guy, villain, the actual thing that they confront. So that's just another um, uh, layer there. Tip number seven, hide the terror, monster, killer, or threat as much as possible. What makes something scary? Is it because we can see it in front of us or is it that we can hear it, smell it, and feel it crawling across our skin? Which is more effective? The best movie monsters, threats, or killers are rarely seen straight away. Why? Because by immediately revealing it, you are dispelling the buildup in our imaginations, which is often much worse. Because each person, again, each person is scared by different things, have different elements, just this jumble of images smashed together. And our our imaginations can build something even more terrifying than, unfortunately, us as a writer. So that comes more to um, to the director and to you know um, special effects. But you, as the writer, can keep building up that mystery and that suspense by not revealing the monster right away. Now, there is a reason our minds play tricks on us. By revealing the threat too soon, your brain will immediately begin to rationalize. Well, that isn't as bad as I thought it would be. Oh. So follow the master of horror, Ridley Scott, for advice. He said, you don't show the monster too many times because you'll get used to him and you never want to get used to him. Ever. That's always been my thesis. The best screening room in the world is the space between your ears, which is your brain. So it's learning to tap into the human brain to show just so much. Let the brain do a lot of the work. That's where you start to tap into people's anxieties. Now, as the master said, it's about actively engaging the part of our brains that jump to the worst possible scenario. And this is a gr- and this is great because all of us have very different active imaginations. Like I already said, <laughs> for the audience, this creates a sense of anxiety and, most importantly, psychological and emotional engagement. You force them to engage in your story without revealing, like, "Oh my God, what is it? What could it be?" Here are some more benefits of intentionally hiding the horror as much as possible. You are keeping your audience in a constant state of anticipation, and this means a creeping sense of suspense and dread that builds and builds. You are limiting your screenplay's complexity and budget. 
Less visible action scenes and CGI mean less money to spend. Your producer will love you. You are building a sense of mystery and myth around your world and characters. What isn't seen or said is thought about. The characters are left in the dark and learn together with the audience. More questions, psychological engagement, and scares for all. You can utilize shadows, sound design, reactions, and static shots to convey the threat in more effective ways. This will make the creature or threat seem more insidious, powerful, and petrifying. Seeing the bloody aftermath of the threat can beg us to question, what the hell is this thing? By hiding horror elements like excessive gore, the monster itself, blood, killing scenes, you're allowing the actual violence or supernatural or skin-crawling elements to be more powerful. It's a just it's a distribution game. Use the most powerful scenes and page count for when you really need it. Now, here are a few monsters, threats, and killers that are not revealed for most of the screenplay. The Xenomorphs in Alien, Aliens, the sequels. The Aliens in Signs. The Thing in The Thing. Babadook in, Bob, in The Babadook. The Witch, The Blair Witch Project. Jigsaw. Saw. All right. Tip number eight. Stretch the suspense like an elastic band until it snaps. This element, like the use of silence, is about when and where to use it. And with a horror script, suspense is a natural bedfellow. So how do you create suspense to really get under your audience's skin? Have your audience know something that the characters don't. A time bomb under the table. A hidden child under the floorboards. The threat is coming. The audience knows, but the characters do not. Create an an inability for the audience or characters to change anything that is about to happen. They can't change it, but you know as the or they know as the audience. Stretch the scene with the th- when the threat is apparent and make every pause, word, and moment count. Inspire the feeling that death can come at any moment. Extend the scene. The longer the scene, the more the suspense will be stretched. But do this sparingly and with the other elements in play. This is like a really good time where you can throw in some humor. Got the suspense, extend it. There's still something going out there, but don't want to do it too long. Otherwise, your audience will disengage because they can't. It's either too much. I have that problem sometimes. Like it gets to be too much and I hit, I hit fast, fast forward. I know I'm terrible. But if it's too much, then it's it's about feeling those beats and having those that feeling for it. As Quentin Tarantino says, imagine the suspense as an elastic band. Keep pulling it and stretching it minute by minute until it feels like it is going to break. And then do it. Break it. Give some release, even if it's in a big scare or a comedy moment. It's a good thing to do. All right, tip number nine. Characters' choices should make sense. 
Imagine all the possible ways your character could escape any deadly situation, because the audience most assuredly will. The characters should make the most logical choice. This has a lot to do with making your protagonist interesting and likable. Go back to the beginning, the top of my list here, uh, to, to see that. Characters make us care. We like smart people. We like survivors. So our survivors should make smart decisions. The dead meat teenagers that Freddie and Jason hacked to bits make bad, immoral, or illogical decisions. Ellen Ripley in Alien is a smart character. Not that her crewmates aren't smart, they're space truckers, <laughs> but Ripley showed concern upon bringing a xenomorph-infected body aboard her ship. She made a very smart decision vetoed by her crew. We know Ripley is smart, so we identify with her and want to see her live. Alien could very easily be a simple slasher in space, but it's more memorable because we have Ripley to root for. We are scared with Ripley and we survive with Ripley. Create a metaphorical monster that re represents your hero's sin. This is where we're going to externalize the horror to make sense. Leading on from the previous, from the internalization, when it comes to monsters, supernatural, aliens, killers, ghosts, ensure that your threat is more than just a routine villain. You know the ones. Don't do that. <laughs> In fact, you should go deeper to give the monster represent a powerful theme like greed, vengeance, misery, death, sin, love, guilt, the blues of parenting. <clears throat> this technique is also famously used in Snyder's Save the Cat. Essentially, monsters are typically a symbol for the sin of the main character or someone connected to the main antagonistic force. This is, again, something else I brought up earlier. This just weaves more into it. Better villains, more engaging storylines as well. In horror films, it is even more apparent. For example, again, the xenomorphs from Alien might be summed up as the hubris and greed of the Wyland yutani Corporation. Ash, the android, reveals the plot to Ripley during the film, and it's the reason for their terrifying predicament in the first place. So when you create your monster, what does it really represent? It can't just be a random killer or supernatural entity. Boring. Think bigger. Go deeper. Twist what you know into something new. Horror is the perfect genre to also make your audience shriek and think. What is the sin of the hero or villain? What will be exposed during the story? Mirror the sin with elements of the monster or killer. For example, if the sin involves a group of businessmen influencing a small town over centuries, then their reckoning feels like it should be the opposite. Fast, deadly, bloody, bloody, and cutting. It doesn't have to be, but showing some visual echoes will help to bring your theme even more. Bring out your theme even more and kind of like make it a full circle. It'll make the ending that much more satisfying to the audience and they might not really know why, but you do. That is your job as the writer. 
Now, have your hero confront and expose the sin by outthinking the killer or monster in surprising and innovative ways. This is the story. All right, <clears throat> the final tip. Horror tends to be brief. Unlike this podcast today, I'm so sorry, I did thought it would be shorter. Sorry. So, unless you have a lot of deep character work, aim for about 100 pages. The one page is one minute of scream time rule doesn't really apply as much in horror because suspenseful action tends to take longer in horror. That pause you put on page seven might extend all the way through like minute 12, minute 13. So not only does a modern audience expect a tight runtime on horror and comedy, but less pages mean less scenes. And that means a lower budget. And a lower budget is attractive to studios. Because I can sit here and talk to you all day about writing, but usually our end game is to get our scripts sold and produced. So try to keep that in the back of your mind. Create your story, do all these tips, but in the back of your mind, kind of just keep that there as, as a tip if you're going into a rewrite and you're editing, this is just a good thing to remember. Cargill says horror screenplays should be written around 90 to 100 pages because the final runtime is always longer than the page count. That's why it is so important to set the tone in the first five to 10 pages. Uh, you have a shorter script, so you're going to want to shorten all of those um, those points, you know, the the client the climax, the resolution, everything should be a little bit tighter. But those first five to 10 pages, you really want to set the tone immediately for what you're trying to do for the whole rest of your script. Now you are in the, in those first pages, you are essentially pulling back the curtain and announcing to your audience, this is what is coming. Get ready. All right. That was all 10 tips. So here I got this article. I got it from ScreenCraft um, with the interview with uh, C. Robert Cargill. You can watch the video, uh, their interview on that um, blog article. Um, if you, again, if you're watching the video, it's down below. But if you're listening to the podcast, go over to the webpage, uh, www.thescriptmistress.com forward slash scene four. Scroll down and you'll see the, the link there. You don't have to listen to this again or watch it if you don't want to. Now, everyone should be able to go out there and write the next greatest horror film, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really about expanding your writer's toolbox to incorporate these techniques for what works with you as a writer. If you are a comedy writer, you may never know when an opportunity might come to write a horror film. Grow as a writer, and you'll be surprised at how these things help you with everything you write. I mean, a lot of this can be molded and used for other genres as well, um, especially with characters. So also head back over to my website. You can grab the free logline cheat sheet. That is a PDF and you can focus on creating loglines for your new horror film because I know you want to write one after listening to this. I kind of want to write one. <laughs> now you can download it right off the main webpage, website, that www.thescriptmistress.com or right at the web, um, right at the podcast page, right below the video, right below the video. You can download it um, at www.thescriptmistress.com forward slash scene four. Okay. The point of these podcasts too, to get you writing. So here is your writing action, your homework for the week. Set a timer for 20 minutes. Write 
all of the things that terrify you. Every little thing from when you were little to all the way now. Get as creative as you can. Have a conversation and inner dialogue with yourself and ask what really scares you. Not just spiders, but being buried alive, um, never finishing your screenplay. <laughs> Does that really scare you? Never being successful. What, like, dig deep. What really scares you? Now, after the 20 minutes, circle just three. Circle just three of these and use the free logline cheat sheet to come up with three new loglines for three new horror movies you would love to write or you would love to see. You never know if you're in an elevator with a producer, you haven't even written it yet, but you have these log lines in, in the back and it's something that you can think of. This is really good. So share, if you'd like, share one of your log lines on the Facebook page, uh, forward slash ink to screen, or email me at amber at the to get feedback on your log line. And if you let me, I will share it on our page as well. Now, also, the next Ink to Screen screenwriting challenge is now open for registration. Winners from the September challenge will be announced on October 17th. All feedback will go out on the 18th. Usually, I'll try maybe the 17th right at night or really early on the 18th so you guys can look at that. And then the new challenge starts right on the 19th at midnight 01-0001 on the 19th, and you'll get it. October is going to be so much fun. Now, you might think, because I'm writing about, because I'm doing the podcast about horror, that you think that the, the challenge has to be about horror. It doesn't. It really doesn't. It's all about an image prompt, prompt I send out. Just because I send something that may look like it fits in a horror film doesn't mean you have to write a horror film. This is, this is your imagination. This is your challenge to take something visually and try to put it on the page and let me see it again. That is your challenge. And that is what really helps you as a writer, especially as a screenwriter. You can check it all out at www.thescriptmistress.com forward slash ink I-N-K-2, the number two, screen, S-C-R-E-E-N, ink to screen. Thank you so much for listening and or watching. I truly value any feedback. If you have an idea for a podcast that might help you, or if it's going to help you, it's probably going to help a lot of other people. You can email me again at amber at thescriptmistress.com. Like and follow this show wherever you are listening so you can get all the updates. I might send out a couple extra podcasts here, here and there. Get on the emailing list right on the website so you can get in touch with events, challenges, any new podcast coming up. Again, I am Amber Bosworth, your script mistress. <laughs> Talk soon. And until then, happy writing.